0: Turn with me to the book of Psalms, and I don't intend to go a long time this evening, but I can make no guarantees. (laughs) Psalm 66 and verse 8. Oh, bless our God, you people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard. He holds our soul in life and suffers not our feet to be moved. Verse 12, you caused men to ride over our heads. They were disobedient and they got away from God and had a lot of problems. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out. You brought us out into a wealthy place. All this week we've been talking about this, that God has for us a wealthy place. We read another translation it talks about he brought us out into a place of abundance. He brought us out into a well-filled place. If you're in a place of uh, lack, if you're in a place of poverty, if you're in a place of desperation, believe now that God has not ordained that for you, that that is not his will for you, but that he has rather for you a wealthy place, a place where you fit, a place where you prosper, a place in the perfect will of God where your graces and your gifts fit, and you operate, and in pursuing Him, you're blessed with every good thing, and you increase in spirit, and you increase in soul, and you increase in your health, and you increase in your finances. Didn't the Lord say, Beloved, I wish, I desire above all things that you would prosper prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And sometimes people think, well, that means spiritual prosperity is more important. It's as your soul. Well, no, he didn't say that. That's people turning it around. No, he's telling you how it happens. You're going to prosper financially and materially. You're going to be in health. That's physical prosperity. How's it going to happen? Even as, right? It's going to happen as your soul, as the inside of you prospers, and you quit seeing yourself as broke. You quit making jokes about how poor you are. Now, are you listening to me, friends, tonight? No more poor jokes. That would change a lot of people's life right here tonight if you just say, okay, no more broke jokes. Amen. Ah, where's so the broke? We can't pay attention. Ha, ha, ha. That ain't funny. I said, that ain't funny. No more broke jokes. No more poor, well, where'd you, you know, I remember years ago, some things were going on. We hadn't been in the ministry that long, and we just, we had a couple of folks uh, that were working with us. Uh, it was real funny. I think our first year, our total income for the year was $20,000, and the next year, what was it? Well, we, ended up with a deficit, we ended up with a deficit, I think it was. Next year, we were the 20000 again, minus $58 that we went in the hole. And that's how we started out. And uh, I understand everything big that you want to look at started small, yes, that's right. Right? That's right? I mean, the biggest oak tree, the biggest company, the biggest church, makes no difference what it was. It started, you know, not where you see it today, but it started in the seed and developed and developed and developed. And uh, I used to say, well, you know, when talking to other people, I'd say, well, we're just a small ministry. Well, we're just a small this. And I mean, the Lord got a hold of me. He said, you quit saying that. He said, did I say you were a small ministry? I said, well, no, sir. He said, I didn't say you were small. I've called you a worldwide ministry. I've called you a strong ministry. I've called you a, well, I didn't look like it. If you looked at us, you wouldn't think, yeah, big ministry. Two people and one typewriter. (laughs) And a trash can. (laughs) But see, where you go from there and how quickly you get there, and even if you get there, depends on if your soul prospers. What's inside of you, you begin to call those things that be not as though they were. And you say, I don't care if you have service after service. And three people show up, and the next time one of them didn't make it. You preach to them like it's 2,000. Right? Don't you hold a thing back. You preach to them. You give them everything you got. And then you say, thank you, Lord, for filling this church up. Thank you, Lord, I call this church full. we're going to have to figure out what to do with the parking. Right? And people might laugh at you because they say, you can park anywhere you want to. There's lots of places. You say, no, no, you're just looking at what you can see right now. By faith, I call this place full. I call it full. Now this don't just work for preachers; works for everybody. You might say, "Well, brother Keith, my little business is just a what well, little, little. Watch out, little. Well, it's just my little home business, just my little accounts, and and my little things, and my no. You are limiting it with your words. You're calling it well. We're not little, but we're just midsize. We're just mid. Did God say you're midsize? Did He give you that label? You have to watch about limiting yourself. No, call it full, call your accounts full, right? Call your sales roster full, call you, don't sit there and say, well, we just, we're having a bad year, you know, and the customers are just going somewhere else. Watch your words, watch your words. You say, no, somebody's going to buy some of this today. They might as well come buy it from me yes. and stand in the front door of your place and said, come to me from the north, the south and the east and west. Yes. Customers come to me, come buy from me in Jesus name. Don't You don't have to put pressure on them. You don't have to, you know, come from that standpoint. Just believe God to draw them. Believe God to deal with them. And if you look at it again and you say, well, look, hardly anything happened. Don't say it. Look at it, but don't say it. Say, no, I call my sales roster full. I call my quotas full. I call my sales full. I call it full. 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 I call my accounts full and running over. I call my checking account full. I call my savings account full. Why? What does that mean? I have to open up other accounts. You know, accounts get big enough, they make you open up another one somewhere. Right? They only want so much, you know, in that account. Most folk don't find that out. You should find that out. Yes. Right? There's some things you should know. There's some limits you should bump into. And, you know, it surprised me. I've never had enough money, you know, up until that point. And it surprised me. And we talked about this certain wire coming in. And the folks said, oh, we can't take that. I thought, you got to be kidding me. Well, you mean the bank won't take money? But it's because we'd only dealt with fives and tens. Right? God has a plan for you. It's not a broke place. It's not a bare place. It's not a small place. Now some folk in here really needed to hear that tonight about this little stuff. Well, we're just a little ministry. We're just a little church. We're just a little. Said who? Who said that? Who said that? The devil's trying to cap you. Did you hear me? And you're cooperating with him. No. You said out loud, we'll grow as big as the Lord would have us to grow. Amen. Amen. We'll yield to him. Lord, take us just as far as you want to take us. We'll cooperate. We'll yield. And we'll quit calling it small. The Lord got on to me about that. And he said, don't say that. So, And I'd say it again without thinking about it. He'd check me and I'd say... I'm sorry. No, I'm not a little ministry. Now, I had to close my eyes when I said that. Because when I opened it and saw what was around me, it was all saying, not just little, little bitty. Might not make it through the week, ministry. (laughs) But we did make it through the week. And we made it through the month. And we made it through the next year. And the next year, it wasn't 20000 total income. And the next year, the numbers kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And our giving began to be bigger than our previous year's income. Hallelujah, because God is faithful and he's bringing us into our Wealthy. wealthy place, place of rich fulfillment, place of abundance. Now we had talked about, you know, the God ordained place. We talked about the God joined place. We talked about hindrances from getting into your wealthy place. And we began last night talking about entering into your wealthy place. The Bible said in Proverbs that a faithful man shall abound in blessings. Does that sound like a wealthy place? And we talked about that last night about the faithful person. It takes faithfulness. You got to stay with it. And you've got to be faithful to get from where you begin to your ultimate place, your wealthy place. Because you don't start out in the ultimate place God has for you. And to get from here to there, you've got to stay after it. You've got to be faithful. you got to be loyal. you got to be obedient. Now, another big area here of how to get into your wealthy place. Go to Hebrews, please. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews 11. And eight: is it by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into what? A place? What kind of place did God have for Abraham? Did he make him rich? What did the Bible say? May he became what? Very rich, and it was very specific, in silver and gold and cows. In fact, he had too many cows. And he said when he was called to go into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, what did he do? Obey. What did he do? He obeyed, he obeyed and he, went he went out, not knowing where he went. Now a big key to getting to your ultimate place, getting to your wealthy place is you must step out. You must obey. Without seeing the whole picture, without knowing what's going to come next and where this whole thing's going to wind up at, you must have enough faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Faith to step out. Now, hold your place here and go over to the book of uh, Romans, I guess it is. Romans chapter 4. It uses this exact phrase. Romans chapter 4. And it says, verse 12, Romans 4, 12, that Abraham's the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also do what? Walk, how? In the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Say it out loud, steps of faith. Steps of faith. Steps of faith. Steps of faith. Say it again with me another couple of times. Steps Of faith. And again, steps. steps. He didn't say flying leaps. Right? Right. He didn't say Grand Canyon jumps. What did he say? Steps. Steps Steps of faith. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because it's so significant in how God deals with us. He expects us and requires of us that we walk by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. God will call to you and direct you. Step through this door. And you'll step and look and go. What's in there? (laughs) And you'll get silence. Nothing. Did you hear me? Because you know enough. To walk by faith. If you have to see the whole thing. Then you're requiring to walk by sight. You're refusing to walk by faith. Everybody say steps. Steps. And oh. Help me get this out tonight Lord. The power of God. Is directly connected. To the steps of faith. The miracle manifestations. The miraculous provision. Of God the wisdom of God, the revelation of the plan of God, it is directly connected to the steps of faith. Everybody say it out loud again, steps. Steps of faith. Steps of faith. Go with me, if you would, to the book of uh, James, second chapter. You know it, but let's remind ourselves of it. James chapter 2, James 2 and verse 14. He said, what does it profit, my brethren? James two fourteen. Though a man say he has faith, and if he has not works, can faith, can that kind of faith save him? What's the answer? No. no. What kind of faith is he talking about? A faith that is not acted upon. A faith that does not cause one to step out. He said, skip on down to verse 17. Faith, if it has not works, is what? Dead. Dead. Being alone. Did you understand there is such a thing as dead faith? I think sometimes we haven't thought about that. Someone said dead faith? We're reading the Bible, right? Is there such a thing as dead faith? What is it? It's people who call themselves believing. But they will not step out on what they say they believe. They call themselves faith people. They quote scriptures. They play tapes. They go to meetings. They pray in tongues. But when it comes time, when they see it in their heart, the Lord's directing them, now step out. Maybe tonight, step out and give. Step out and go over there and do this work. Step out and move to this place. Step out and start a new work. Step out. When it comes time to step out, they step back. Did you hear me? And start reasoning and saying, well, I don't see how we could do it. I just don't see. We don't have the money. I don't know how. I'm not an educated man. I'm not an educated woman. I don't know anybody that could help me do this. And I just don't see how. Well, here's the thing. You're not going to see how. God's not going to show you all the how. He'll show you enough for a a step. Did you hear me? He'll show you enough for a step. And if you sit there and go, well, yeah, but now... That ain't very far. I mean, if I do that, then what am I going to do? You'll get silence. Nothing. Until you take that first step. We're talking about getting into your wealthy place. How many believe God has a wealthier place for you than where you are right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Much, much, much. Bigger, better, stronger, richer, greater. How are you going to get there? How are you going to get from where you are right now to that wealthier place? How are you going to get there? It will come not just on a flying leap. It will come not just in an amazing, uh, miraculous transport in the bleak of an eye. God has ordained that it comes step by step by step. By step, now, people don't like that that 's not as spectacular to them, but it is the way it is and Phyllis and I, looking back over our life, oh, you can see it so clearly we took a, we didn't have a clue we didn't have a clue we would be in Branson with a church in two thousand four when we were praying about what God wanted to do with us back in nineteen seventy eight and seventy nine Are you kidding? If you'd have said Branson, I'd have said, what? I'd never left the house. (laughs) What's a Branson? Uh, (laughs) Did you you hear? Yeah, I know. But that's, you know, that's where I was at. And, you know, looking back now, the Lord dealt with us a step. Everybody say a step. Phyllis was working for a doctor. This doctor had a collection of teaching tapes. This was unheard of. I'd never heard of anybody sitting down listening to a preaching tape on purpose. I'd never heard of such a thing. He kept trying to get her, take some of these tapes home. And she was like, why? You know? And I was, I'd was have been the same way. But month after month and month after month, and eventually, of course, he's her employer. So he, he says, you know, why not you take some of these tapes home? If you don't want to listen to them, that's all right. I won't bug you about it, but try some of them. And she brought home some Kenneth Copeland teaching tapes. (laughs) And we had to get a little tape player. And so we got one and we listened to it. I'll never forget it. Listened to this tape. And when we got through, I wasn't real sure what he had just said. (laughs) But something inside me was doing cartwheels. I didn't get it up here, but something inside me was going, yes, 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 yes. This is what we've been looking for. And so many things that I hadn't heard, but it bore witness with me. Some way or another, without expressing it, I had always thought that. But then here I heard it uh, expressed and elaborated, and I got hooked. And Phyllis got hooked. And, every, and every, you know, we listened to those, and she said, do you have some more? And he said, I do. And I mean, we listen to tapes and we listen to tapes. That was our first step. Did you hear me? I mean, if we hadn't taken that step, you and I wouldn't be looking at each other tonight. Hmm? See, people want to talk about these other things, but it's all in. That was the first step. We could have rejected that. We could have pushed that aside and turned that off. And we would have never got enough word in us to get enough faith in us to take the next Step, You know, looking back now, in a few months past, we found out about Kenneth Hagin. You know, we listened to all of Brother Copeland's tapes and some other folks too. and Well, not many others, mostly just Brother Kenneth. It was only at that point, yeah. Because I, I knew I was green. And I knew I didn't know much and I didn't know enough to decipher a bunch of things. So when they, anybody said something about somebody else, I said, no, no, I know about him. That's it, and he said, "Well, you know, Kenneth Hagen is actually his elder, and he got some things from him." I you and I said, "No, I don't know about this Kenneth Hagen." <laughs> I like Brother Copeland, you know. Well, thank God, I listened to some of Brother Hagen's tapes, and I thought, "Uh huh, okay." And I ordered some of Brother Hagen's books, and the months passed by, and I mean, every day. Every day after work, we'd come home to our little 1969 Marriott mobile home with the genuine imitation leather sofa. And what was it? Crushed velvet red curtains and red carpet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I understand that was not the wealthy place God had for us, was it? We were glad to get it at the time. It was used. We got well used. And, huh? No, I didn't have a stove or oven or any of those unnecessary things. Yeah, at Luxuries. <laughs> but we were thankful to get it. I mean, it was a place. But that wasn't God's wealthy place for us. Right? But how many know we could have stayed there if we'd have rejected the word? If we'd have rejected faith, if we'd have rejected the word gospel, the good news about prosperity and healing and righteousness and redemption, well, we could have been right there. Not in the place God had for us. But as the months went by, I got on Brother Hagin's mail list and we got the uh, Word of Faith, their publication. And on the front page was the graduating class of that year and all their red capes and, uh, I mean, hats and gowns. Graduating class, Sea of Red. And I kind of, paused. we've been listening to the word now for about a year, I guess. I paused and looked at that in our little trailer one day, and I thought, man, you know, boy, it'd be neat to go and learn some things like that and graduate with a bunch of that. I thought about it just about that long, and then I thought, nah, nah, no way. You know what I mean? I just kind of brushed it off. But as the next couple of months went by, the Lord began to deal with us to go to camp meeting. Everybody say steps. steps. Step, go to camp meeting. Man, we'd hardly ever left town. Rarely left town. I mean, I worked at a place where some of the old men would come and sit around the potbelly stove. You remember old general stores? Well, we had, well, I mean, just like a storybook. And one of the guys, one time, he and a friend of his, that we lived in central Mississippi. They went to Memphis. Which is just across the line, you know, Mississippi. I don't know. What would it be? Three or four hours, you know, something like that. And uh, they stayed a day or two. When they came back, I heard them. They gathered around the stove. Somebody says, man, heard you left the country, man. You went to Memphis. He said, yeah. He said, I never was so glad to get back in the United States. He thought when he crossed the state line, he was back. Well, that's about how far our vision reached, too, you know. You're thinking, hey, that's, you know, you go about 15 miles over here and about 20 over here. And that's about it, you know. But, yeah, your car would, probably wouldn't get you back home, you know. <laughs> and uh, it kept coming up in our heart, kept coming up in our heart about going out to that camp meeting. Well, man, that was way out in Oklahoma. And, you know, looking back now, you think, well, why do you think it's such a big deal? But we did. I mean, we thought it was a huge deal. And uh, besides that, money. We didn't have money to stay in the hotel room. We didn't have money for gas. didn't have a car that was decent to make the trip. But it kept coming up in our heart. It kept coming. Go to that camp meeting. Go to that. You understand where we are now? How does God lead us? How are we going to get to our wealthy place? Steps. Steps. What was Our our first step was getting those tapes. Our first step was getting in the Word. And see, I didn't know it. Looking back now, I can see it It took that whole year of hearing the Word for us to get enough faith to go to camp meeting. Did you hear me? Enough faith to believe that God could get us money and that we could go out there and pay for a hotel room or motel room, whatever. It took that whole year of feeding on the Word for our faith to get to that place. We had taken that first step. Well, as it got closer, Phyllis and I both, we'd talk about it. We feel like we are supposed to go. We didn't know why we are supposed to go. We're spo- so by faith, we planned to go. Had not a clue how we would go. Had not a clue where the money would come from. We just claimed it. Amen. Yeah. And we sold our $5 here and our $5 there. And we claimed it and believed for that money to come in uh, and the way. And we went ahead and made plans. We told our employers. Both of us were working jobs. We said, you know, we're going to take off X amount of time. We made plans. We're going to go to the meeting. Didn't have a clue how. Thank God for hearing the words. See, we'd got, our faith had grown up from nothing or very little to this place now. And we didn't know the day we were going to leave. We didn't know about having the money or where we could stay. And my parents loaned me their car. Thank God. I think they wanted to make sure we could come back. And, and then Phyllis and I, as we're going towards the Oklahoma, you know, she said, somebody gave me some money today. I said, they gave me some money too. And I mean, that whole day and the day up before that, people had just at work and friends. People had stuck a five here and we begin to pull it all out. Now we're on our way. Didn't know we had enough. Thank God. You know, we figure, hey, if we have to, we'll sleep in the car. And as we're going, we begin to count money out, and it was more than enough for gas and a place to stay. Not an expensive place, but a place to sleep, and enough for a little bit to eat here and there. So, man, we showed up there, and we stood in line. We'd get there early in the morning. We got lost every time that we left the building. (laughs) They had those one-way streets out there, you know. We'd never been to a big city. And uh, I mean, every night, it'd be late before you got out of there. And then we'd be lost for another hour. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. I mean... (laughs) We're thinking, whew, where are we at now? And, and we'd finally get in bed and have to get up real early because we didn't have a seat. And, you know, we wanted to get close, you know. So we'd get up and stand in line. I don't know what, 6, 7 o'clock. And you stand there and stand there and stand there. So we're there all day long. I mean, you know, all day. Early in the morning till late, late, late at night. We did that all week. And I'm telling you, our life was changed. I saw 10,000 people stand up and speak in tongues. I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't, I thought, all these people talking tugs? Oh, glory to God. I mean, it did something to me. It did something for me in my insides. And then I heard these folks preach about faith and, and I saw them living faith and I saw them getting results. And oh, oh, it just hadn't got over it yet. I thought, here's a bunch that believe something. Here's a bunch going somewhere. Oh, man, it just got all in me. And they said, they were every day, they was taking tours out to the school. Out to Rhema campus. I kept talking about Rhema, talking about Rhema. And the Lord dealt with us, take that tour. Everybody say step. 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 Here's a step. So we took the tour. We rode out there on the bus. Got to the campus. Oh, it's beautiful. Stepped out on the grounds. The anointing was there. The presence of God was there. We went through buildings, buildings, buildings. We got back on the bus. Didn't say a word. Quiet. Finally, Phyllis said, did you ever know you are supposed to do something and didn't want to do it? <laughs> I played dumb. I said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I mean, for the rest of the time, there was something in us. And we rode all the way back home, and there was something in us. And as the weeks went by, we couldn't get away from it. We knew what it was. We're supposed to go out there, go to that school. Oh, that seemed like an impossible thing. I mean, it took all the faith we had just to go out to Tulsa and get a little cheap motel room. Where are you going to get tuition money? Where are going to find a place to live? How is this going to happen? See, you understand, at every juncture, you can stand still and go, I don't see how. Yeah, and instead of stepping out, what can you do? You can step back and go, now, I, you know, I love the Lord just like anybody else, but I I got my family, and we got our job, and we got this, and how would this work, and where would this come from, and I just don't see how. famous last words. Of Christians who get stuck. Famous last words of dying churches that dry up on the vine. We've never done anything like that, and I just don't see how. All summer. We prayed and we we read and Phyllis had it in her heart. She said, We're supposed to go. I'm telling you, we're supposed to go, and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> And I'd pray, and I'd walk around out in the woods at two in the morning and pray, and go, God, are you serious? I never thought about, you know, me going to a Bible school. I mean, that just seemed so far fetched. And but came down to the wire, I told her, "So you better get us some of those applications." We filled them out, sent them in. We loaded up our little pickup. Looked just like the Beverly Hillbillies. I mean, we had stuff piled up on the side. We went out to broken somewhere, Oklahoma, without a place to live. I don't recommend you do it like that, but that's where we were. That's all we knew. We didn't have a place to live. We didn't have all kind of things. But everybody say step. Step. Took the step. Took the step. We weren't there very long. I went to healing school. Saw Brother Hagin there about four foot from where I was sitting. He said, we're going to start a new place out here. It's going to be a healing school. Well, we were in the school building at that time. We're going to start a healing center. It hadn't been built at that time. We're going to train folk to be healing technicians, minister to people. I looked around and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be something? And I thought, yeah, I bet everybody want to do that. Uh, why would I think I could get in? And... The Lord dealt with me sitting there. I mean it's a strong I remember it to this day. He said, Help Brother Hagin. Help him. That was my call, that was my mission for 20 plus years. Everything that happened after that, they said, We need somebody to fill out papers, we need somebody to greet people, we need somebody to pray with folk about being say, Well, Brother Hagin needs help. Right? And eventually he wanted help to teach in the school, and he wanted help on the road, he wanted help with this and that. I mean there's even, you know, I left. We had our own ministry real strong. We were going out on the road. I'd been doing some things for some time. And the Lord told me, he said, I did direct you to do this, but I never released you from helping Brother Hagen." I thought, huh? So we loaded up and flew out and found where they were and, and went in the room and said, uh, can we help y'all anymore? I mean, I know that we've already gone through all this. And uh, thank God they let us. So we helped them real strong for some more years. Amen. Just a few months up to work before he went home. Thank God. And everybody say steps. 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 One thing that lead into the next. And it gets stronger. And it gets greater. And it gets richer. I said it gets richer. You get wealthier. Amen. In spirit and in body and in finances. But any time you come to the place where you think, well, I'm happy. I'm comfortable. And the Lord deals with you. you Step out. And you say, you know, I've been through all that. Uh, Then you're going to come short of your wealthiest place. You're going to come short of your strongest place. Faith steps out. Say it out loud. Faith Faith steps steps out. When God deals with you to step out, you must step out. Or elsewise, you're going to miss the wealthy place. And so, yeah, but number of the key a preacher. Listen, these verses I'm talking about, these principles, that's not preacher verses. These are not just preacher principles. These are faith principles. All of us to live by the same. You know, Peter loaned Jesus' boat to preach in. When he got through preaching in it, he told him, launch out into the deep and cast your nets. Their thinking was, why, we've been doing this all night. But how many understand their harvest as businessmen was dependent on them taking that step. Taking that new venture. Reaching out. When God tells you, open a branch over here. Step into this new area. Carry this line of stuff. You think, well, i got enough going on. You better listen to him. I said, you better listen to him. Step out. Step in. Why? Because he's got a wealthy place. He's taking you if you will take the Steps. The steps, the steps, everybody say steps, take the steps, take the steps, take the next step. We got, you know, at that juncture in our life, just three years or so ago, we knew something was coming, knew something was, didn't know what it was. And then the Lord dealt with us to come up here and take a week of vacation at Branson, That was it. That's all we knew. We'd come up here and rent a boat, get out on the lake, play. We'd been working real hard, rest a little bit, play a little bit. Branson. So we did. And while we're here, something about Branson just started stirring in us. We thought, what's this with Branson? We didn't expect this. What if we hadn't taken the step to vacation here? Would you have got the next thing? Now see, do you understand what I'm talking about? One thing is connected to the next, and you don't get the next until you do the first. You don't get the next. Go to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts and the ninth chapter. I think I got this and one more thing. Can you take it? Book of Acts, the ninth chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts 9, Saul, verse 1, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest. He got letters and he journeyed. Verse 3, he came near Damascus and there shined round about him this light from heaven. He fell to the earth and he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise, get up and what? What? Go into the city, go to a specific place and it shall be told you what you must do. Did you hear this now? What didn't he just tell him right there? Wasn't his plan. Is he going to find out everything he needs to know right there today? How's he going to find out the next part of this? He's got to get up and go to where the Lord told him to go. Right? Because see, the Lord's got his plan working. If you read the rest of the story, he tapped another of his guys on the shoulder and said, Hey, I got a man over here that's seen a vision. I want you to go and gave him the address. What if he hadn't have been at the town? What if he hadn't have been at the address? He showed up. And laid hands on him and prayed for him and told him some things about the plan of God for his life. But he didn't get any of that until he got up and went to the city where the Lord told him to go. Yeah. So we did that. We got up. We came as soon as our, we had a space in our meetings. I mean, it just we're out on the road in different states. And Branson just keeps coming up in our heart. Branson, Branson, Branson. We're thinking, what is this about Branson. So as soon as we got an opportunity, we came up, we rented a little place, and we just, we rode around, and we looked, and we prayed, and we rode around, and we looked, and we prayed, and we just stayed in there and prayed, and we couldn't get away from it. It It's Branson, Branson, Branson. So we got ready to move, having not a clue that it'd be a church involved. We just thought we're moving our ministry. And Phyllis used to be in real estate, so she's looking around a little bit. And I'm uh, praying in the room, just getting quiet some extra times. And, you know, the Lord led us supernaturally. I won't go into it, to this place. And I had told her, you know, look around and maybe find something. Might have a couple hundred seats or something. And we might shoot a TV thing in there once in a while. She comes back. She said, I think I found our place. (laughs) I said, yeah. She said, it's big. And when I walked in and looked at it, I thought, I had a witness that this was it. But I thought, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> and how many people was in your congregation? when fellow asked. We said, well, uh, right now, zero. <laughs> so what do you need a place like this for? But. We just kept taking steps. We just kept taking steps. I mean, some of the money to do the first part of it was wired into our account like 30 minutes before it was due. And I'm telling you, we've never missed a payment, never been late on it. It's been one of the easiest things we've ever done in our life. It just comes in and comes in. But what if we hadn't listened to those tapes decades ago? What if we hadn't gone to that meeting? You understand what I'm saying? What if we hadn't obeyed and gone out to Ramah? What if we hadn't obeyed and helped Brother Hagin? What if we hadn't obeyed and come to Branson? Would we be in the place we are today of blessing or influence or prosperity? No, you would not. You would not. You would not. And I like it so good. I'm enjoying it so well. That I just want to keep on stepping out. I just want to keep on saying yes Lord. Yeah I don't have to see. I don't have to know. Let's go. Abraham went out. Stepped out. Not knowing where he was going. Go to Joshua 3. And I think I'm closing with this. Joshua 3. Who about preached myself happy tonight. Mm, because I mean I'm not talking about somebody else's life this is our life I'm talking about this is real to me I was there we were there we know you can't come tell me oh that didn't happen I was there it's happened just like this every step of the way oh hallelujah how many know he's not done either I mean he's can he take us on a fur piece from here can he take us a long ways yeah yeah now here's the thing Phyllis and I were talking about this the other day, just in our small experience in these things. The money for this building, the money for the TV, the money for the airplanes, the money for the thing, did not come before we stepped out. Did you hear me? The money to go to camp meeting when we were first getting started. We were in the car. Driving there before we knew we had enough money to make it back. Did you hear me? Why? Because the Lord dealt with us to go. We figured he's got the rest of it figured out. Right? I mean, we didn't have the money to get this place. We didn't have the money to do thing after thing after thing after thing that we've done. And we didn't beg for it. We didn't say, hey, you got to do this because we don't have it and somebody's got to come up. No, no. No, no, if the Lord told you to do it he 's going to back you. That's right. Believers are not beggars That's right. You get into begging you 've gotten away from faith. but again and again, things didn 't happen the you know we 've told the story about how you know the lord. We had a piece of property on the airport and the hangar and everything in Tulsa, and I put it up for sale. It sold like the next day, and the money was wired just in time to do the, some of the first stuff on this. And Phyllis and I came, and our little staff is in Tulsa, up to their eyes, busy. Phyllis and I are here by herself, and there's like, what, 20-something bathrooms on one side? The place had been empty for uh, three years. It needed everything. And I said, well, I guess you could start on one side and I could start on the other. But, boy, it's a daunting task. We said, let's just go back to the uh, the room and, and pray. And so, you know, we, now we got it. We got started in it. What do you do now? Hmm? Step. We came there. We're praying. And the Lord dealt with us both. Go visit your friends up in St. Louis Family Church. Well, we retired. We'd been through quite a bit already and our little plane was down. So you had to drive. You'd have to get up early in the morning to get there, but it came up in our heart. So we went. Everybody say steps, steps, steps. We just showed up. I'd spoken for them a number of times and we were just friends and uh, they saw us and they were happy to see us. They thought, man, what are you doing up here? We said, well, we we'll just come to be in church with you. They said, great. Go to lunch with us. We said, okay. So we went to lunch and, uh, he said, What's going on with y'all? I said, Well, it looks like we're moving in the state with you. They said, Really? He said, Yeah, look, we just signed a letter of intent on a property in Branson. You did what? He said, Yeah. What you gonna do with it? We don't know. <laughs> we believe it'll be good. He said, You go to pastor a church? I said, Don't say it too loud. But that's what it looks like. I said, "Tell us about it." So we told him about it. He said, "Oh, glory to God!" He said, "He said, now you know you need to open up Resurrection Sunday, and that was four weeks away. Four weeks. The place had been empty for three years, and I mean, needed. It wasn't set up to be a church at that point. It needed everything. Besides that, it's just me and her at this point." He said, you know, you got to open up, you know, first service, Resurrection Sunday. Now, when he said it, my head said, no, oh, no, no, no. And my heart said, uh-huh. I thought, mm, 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 So I just got quiet. I learned a while back, just get quiet instead of saying something dumb and unbelief. And if your faith ain't there, just shut up and, and look at it. And he said, uh, let us help you. I said, how? He said, we got a disaster relief organization. <laughs> it's called what's it? Service. Service International. And when he said it, I'd remember it, but I hadn't thought much about it. He said, we'll come help you. Get that thing cleaned up and get ready to go. I said, okay. Please. They came down here. They scoped this place out. They talked with us. So, well, you got to have some steps here. We got to get all this off and make this into a uh, platform. We got to pull these seats out. We got to turn this bus driver lounge into a Sunday school room. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do that. And they said, okay, we got a plan. And the next week, they asked for volunteers from St. Louis Family Church. And a hundred and about a hundred and fifty people showed up with trucks. And plumbers and electricians and carpenters and housewives and teenagers. And they came on this place like a flock of locusts, man. And I mean, you see, you, and you see little kids up under these chairs with a toothbrush. And you see teenagers out sandblasting the rails. And they stayed all week long. Slept on the floor. Grilled hamburgers outside the doors. And the next week, another hundred and something came. And we're down to the wire. I mean, this is it. Now Resurrection Sunday is here. But we opened. Hallelujah. The first service. And there were some what 500 plus people showed up. And we wondered. Where did these folks come from? <laughs> but what if we hadn't vacationed here? What if we hadn't been willing to consider? What if we hadn't have taken what little money we had. And put it on the line. What if we hadn't listened to those tapes. Back in the 70's. Are you with me now? Yeah. Steps of faith and you don't get into the power you can sit and you can talk and you can counsel and you can turn in prayer requests you can do all kind of stuff but the power is not manifest until you take the step when you take the step then anointing begins to manifest money begins to be released to you it doesn't happen as long as you sit and talk about it it only happens when you put your foot on it you, you take that step towards it. Joshua three. Would you look at this? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Joshua, the third chapter. Verse 12. Joshua three, 12. Now, therefore, take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe, a man, and it shall come to pass as soon. Everybody says soon. As soon as the souls of the feet of the priest that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan will be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they'll stand upon in heap. How many know that is a miracle? This is a manifestation of the power of God, miracle work and glory of God. When's it going to happen? Come on now, are you with me? When's it gonna happen? While they're shouting about it, while they're talking about it, while they're making their plans, while they're counseling, huh? While they're sending their letters of in, you know, of request and y'all hook up with us? No, no, no. When does it happen? As soon as the sole of their foot hits that river. Isn't that what he said? Keep reading. Verse 14, it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, that the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overflows all his banks all the time of harvest. As soon as that happened, what happened? The waters which came down from above, upstream, stood, they stopped, and they began to pile up in a heap. Very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. They ran out, and that's it. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. And we're still reading about it today. What a mighty miracle of God. Does God still do miracles today? Does he still do signs and wonders? Does he do things that will keep people talking centuries to come from now? But when does it happen? Doesn't happen while you sit on the bank and talk about it. Hmm? Come on, I mean, it took faith to do this. They're in their priestly robes. They got the Ark of the Covenant on these rails. They heard the word of the Lord. You march right off into that thing. I mean, well, where do we stop? You don't. Yeah, but this thing is flooded and the current is swift. When do we hold up? When do we wait for God to do it? You don't. Where do we wait? You don't wait. You step out. You step in. Whew. All right. So they blew the trumpets and it meant move. So they start walking. And I mean, this, the Bible said it had overflowed all its banks. I mean, this is a rushing mighty river. The current is strong to sweep you away and that's it. You're gone. And they're getting closer to closer and the rushes are there and the water is there and they keep moving and they keep moving. No time to step back. No time to hesitate. No time to stop. And here you're going to be over your head next step. They all step down into it. And not before, not before, but when their foot stepped into that and the sole of their foot stepped into that water, now the power of God was manifested. Now the glory of God stopped the rushing waters, and the rest of it went down. And don't you know they're smiling at that time. They're going, all right. Woo, glory to God. Dr. Lillian B. Oman's made this statement. I've remembered it since I read it. She said, God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing underneath their feet but the word of God. Oh, friend, you want to see the big miracles? You want to see the big financial miracles, the big healing miracles? you got to be willing to step out. you got to be willing. When the Lord tells you to do it, you don't reason. You don't wonder. You don't try to see. You just say, here we go. Here we go. Here. What if we drown? Forget about it. Here we go. What if this? What? If? Forget. Forget all that. Don't entertain it. Step out. And you will not see the power until your foot gets into it. And then when you do, miracles. We can see this in this church, can't we? I mean, the moment we stepped out to do it, here came the money. Here came the people. Here came the stuff. The moment, I mean, it had been just a, a matter of weeks ago we stepped out to do this TV stuff. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, glory to God. What if you hadn't stepped out? What if you sat back and said, well, boy, if the Lord had bring it in, I'd do it. Yeah, if the Lord had healed me, I'd get up from here. Have you ever noticed how many times the Lord said, rise up and walk? Do you understand? They can't. That's why they're laying there on the stretcher. Stretch forth your hand. So many times when I heard that in Mark 3, I thought he meant extend his arm. He didn't say extend your arm. What did he say? Stretch forth your hand. Well, that's what he can't do. His hand is withered. He's tried for years to make it work and it don't work. Oh, but when God said, stretch forth your hand, he didn't argue with him. He didn't reason with him. He endeavored to make that thing reach out. And when he got to the end of what he could do, he met omnipotence. (laughs) He met the power of God. When their foot got in that water, here came the miraculous. Oh, hallelujah. Living faith acts. Living faith steps out. Living faith. Obey's, And that's when you see the glory of God. That's when you see the miracle-working power of God. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelifenow.org.